Welcome to the Amazing Truth Podcast, a podcast where we focus on real issues and have real talk, and as always, provide a biblical perspective. We hope that you will be blessed as you listen. All right. Welcome to the Amazing Truth Podcast for another exciting episode, Kenan. Are you excited about I'm it? I'm excited to be here. Why are you excited, excited to be I'm, here today? I'm excited because we have, uh, well, it's good to see you. <laughs> always. <laughs> it's always good to see but you I, too. I, 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 I love sitting here, so we know we, we, we share a lot of knowledge. Yes, 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 so, yes. It's always an opportunity for us to yeah, learn, right. to yeah. grow, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, to it's a safe space. As we yeah. always say, this is mm-hmm. a safe space for everyone and anyone. I'm most excited because we're doing a video. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, if they only knew what we do before. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it's all good. It's all good. Well, welcome viewers. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to say viewers, but welcome viewers to, viewers to our Amazing Truth podcast. Also want to say welcome to the listeners. If you find you're you're not able to find us on YouTube. You're also in uh, our where we also all audio platforms, all audio platforms, and you can listen us while you're driving, while right. you're cooking, while you're cleaning. Mm-hmm. But if you have time now, you can sit down. Don't don't listen to us when you're driving. Uh, watch us when you're driving. You know, <laughs> that's time for you to sit cozy with a cup of tea or, or and a family or friend, and and take time to listen to us. Today we have a special guest with us, uh, uh, Kenan. Yeah. And I'm excited about the topic that we're about to engage and discuss. And it's a series that we're beginning. You mm-hmm. know, we've talked about amazing truth and the things we want to do. And uh, today we are privileged to have a guest. But before we invite the guest and bring the guest officially to us, I want us to really anchor ourselves. I have a question for you, Kenan. Mm-hmm. And this is a serious question. <laughs> so don't, 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 don't laugh. Don't laugh at it. You know, question is, what is the topic today? Hmm. Sexual trauma. Sexual trauma. Sexual trauma. When you think about sexual trauma, what comes to mind? Um, like we discussed, remember we talked about trauma the other time. Yeah. Trauma are unpleasant, you know, experiences. Uh-huh. So now I'm thinking sexual trauma is unpleasant sexual experiences. Unpleasant sexual experiences. Uh, uh, I don't want to use the same word, but I brought uncomfortable yes. experiences. See, this is why I partner with you, because you're able to define terms for me (laughs) as I ask them. (laughs) But as as we dive in today, we have a special guest who's going to to share with us uh, and walk us through and engage with us and converse on this topic of sexual trauma. But before we jump into this topic, I really want us to anchor in that. First of all, especially depending on the culture you come from, when you talk about sex, it's it's a traumatic. I mean, it's not it's it's a taboo almost even to talk about it in public. You know, certain cultures where, especially the cultures we come from, this is like what are you talking about something like that? You know, but I want to believe and I want to set the tone by saying that you know, uh, sex is something that God gave us mm-hmm. because it's pleasurable right. for our pleasure mm-hmm. for leisure. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you know any any human being who is functioning well. This is a part of 
of who they are, right. who they are. Right. And it's very unfortunate that things like this that are, are, are meaningful to us that are are, are supposed to bring uh, tremendous joy and excitement. Sometimes we are not comfortable talking about these conversations. And sometimes, we, and, and when we talk about them, we talk about them from a negative perspective, right. but it's also important to understand that it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when you talk about sexuality and sexual and intimacy and this conversation. So our listeners, this is going to be a hot topic and this is one series. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Good. as I want to say, I mean, just lay a background of where we grew up, mm-hmm. there was no point in your lifetime mm-hmm. that you even discuss uh, sex, sex or sexual issues or yes. something with yeah. your parents yes. or any yes. grown-up. Mm-hmm. So sitting here and talking about it, uh-huh. also, you know, it's 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 uncomfortable, it's, it is. but it, it's it's something that's needed. It's something yeah. that's needed. And we have to say to our viewers that, and our listeners that this is not an easy topic. It's not an easy topic. We don't come here as experts. We don't right. come here as people who right. know what is going on. We come here because we realize that it's a conversation that is not usually spoken, mm-hmm. and it's not a conversation that people share in, and there are many people who are hurting, yeah. and there are others who are also having a good experience that they also don't feel comfortable to share their good experience for those who are hurting to grow right. out of it. So if you're a young girl, you know, this is a safe space for you. If you're a young man, this is a good place for you. If you're a couple, if you, you know you're you're thinking of getting into marriage and this is their space for us to have that conversation. And we don't claim to be experts. We don't claim to be perfect, but mm-hmm. we've come here to learn. Yeah. So we invite you to join us. And with that, it is never about us, Kenan. <laughs> but sometimes we try <laughs> we to steal it. the thunder. So we are going to shift and introduce our guest today. And I'd like to bring our guest uh, uh, to introduce herself. Tell mm-hmm. us her name, uh, what they do. And uh, and then we, we have a lot of questions, a lot of questions. So just, just give us one, introduce, introduce your name, what you do, and why are you excited and you chose to be here today. Uh, over to you, our guest. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I'm Dr. Karen Abdul. Uh, I'm a, an adult psychiatrist who has additional training in uh, trauma-informed care and global mental health, uh, specifically for the care of refugees. And I am excited to be here with you handsome gentlemen because... <laughs> Kenan from Blushy, why are you blushing? <laughs> <laughs> you never, you're handsome, you're handsome. It's okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Don't yeah. uh-huh. Because uh, I think that conversations on this topic are long overdue. Um, I have had patients, I've had patients from the, the Kenyan community mm-hmm. who have intense difficulty discussing these issues with their family. And so it is something that is near and dear to my heart as part of the global community that we need to normalize the feelings of people who have been in distressing sexual situations. And we have to address very directly some of the myths surrounding um, sexual trauma. So that I am, I am very excited to have that conversation and to you know continue this conversation as we go along in this series thank you for having me thank you thank you thank you dr yeah, Kari. I, I think you, you you bring out a good point that uh sometimes it's it's good to bring these uh issues home <laughs> uh like our podcast you know we talk about issues that people are comfortable and very uncomfortable talking about so 
it's good to hear from uh, a, a professional mm -hmm. and an immigrant as well. Mm -hmm. So that just to bring that into perspective. Yes. So and it's a beautiful thing that you know you've referenced working with refugees and by extension immigrants. I think there's there's a space and a place for that. Uh, uh, because culturally, as we said, you know, I, I picked on what Dr. Karen said. She said she's excited about having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and I was asking myself, are we are excited? We? <laughs> are we excited <laughs> having this conversation? But we are here nonetheless. So we are going to yeah. get the right. you know, you know, to, to get comfortable, get comfortable with yes. this conversation. So Dr. Karen, we have a tradition here at Amazing Truth that we do. And uh, just before we jump into the specifics, we actually get to know about our guests. You know, there is a sense of, of, of personal touch when it comes with that. So if I'm not putting you on the spot and on behalf of Kenan here, tell us a little bit, who's Dr. Karen? Where is she from? How did she end up in this country? You know, something along those lines as, as we build into this conversation. Oh... <laughs> Astra, you're yes. asking me very boring questions. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm easing into the exciting part. <laughs> I'm getting comfortable. We're getting comfortable in this. <laughs> okay. Who am I? Well, you know, that is a good question. It's actually not a good question for me. It's a great question for God because he is still uh, revealing to me who I am. Mm -hmm. Um as far as I know, I am a person who loves to be happy mm -hmm. and who has uh, been discovering her purpose. I have been, you know, as the first, the former first lady said, becoming. And mm -hmm. so that's really interesting thing. Right. Um, how did I come to the United States? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I am from Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean, and we do have planes there. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, someone once asked my mom if she lived in a tree oh, wow. on the beach. We, we get that. So, we get that as Africans. <laughs> so uh -huh. I, I just want to inform, you know, the listenership that we have planes. Mm -hmm. And I flew on one to come to the United States to do my master's degree. Um, I also flew on one to go to Kenya, where I actually sang on stage in, in Nairobi at, nice. I think it's the biggest SDA church there. Maxwell, Nairobi Central. Nairobi Central. There we go. Yes. With my choir. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also did a solo there. So that was fabulous. Yeah. That was an amazing experience. We went I'm glad that you said you took a plane there too. We have planes that go there too, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Should take so, you to the tree houses. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now, Dr. Karen, as, as we jump into this conversation, you came to the U.S. How old were you and what did you come to study in the U.S.? So I was 23 mm -hmm. years old when I came to the United States mm -hmm. and I came to study biology. I was actually going to study field biology yeah. and work with turtles mm -hmm. oh. uh, okay. and maybe rattlesnakes. And that just didn't work out. Hey, that, yeah, yeah. That's Not a at conversation all. for another day. <laughs> I have questions the moment you say that. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. The rattlesnakes scared the bejeebies out of me and you know, the turtles were in the desert. It just, it wasn't working. I'm from a tropical island. We don't do yeah. des deserts. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So instead, I did immunology and found the love for that and decided to go to medical school and do a PhD in immunology. Oh, nice. So you did a PhD in immunology. Where Where? What, what, where did you go and how, how psychiatry? The journey through psychiatry, immunology, psychiatry, those are two different things mm-hmm. from as far as I, as I know my little science knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So once upon a time, I decided to do medicine. Mm -hmm. And I came to Howard University um, in that, which was a big, it was a huge step because I came from Loma Linda University Mm -hmm. in California over to Howard University in Maryland. And, you know, I, the, the weather changes were shocking to say Mm -hmm. the least. And, um, the culture change, I remember I was running to class in my sweats one day and, and a guy asked me, he's like, you just came from exercising, huh? And I was like, I'm not in California anymore. In California, everybody just <laughs> hangs out, you know, in sweats and, you know, whatever, T-shirts. And over here, the, the women dressed up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did a PhD. It was actually a PhD in microbiology. And I started out doing tumor mm-hmm. immunology. Okay. Um, as part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd always been fascinated by the immune system and by the mind. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to me to discover during my psychiatry residency that the immune system very much informs the mind mm-hmm. and vice versa. The mm-hmm. mind informs the immune system. Um, and stress on the body has a direct negative feedback on the immune system. So it was not intuitive to me at the time that I was studying these. I had studied with the intent of becoming an oncologist, Mm -hmm. Um, but realizing my love for psychiatry and more importantly to me, population psychiatry Mm -hmm. led me in that direction. However, I was able to close the loop back to immunology by understanding and learning more about how the immune system and your brain work together to give you good mental health or poor, depending on what's going on. So Dr. Karen, um, what, what's the, um, the, in the field of psychiatrists back in Trinidad, how, how, how is the picture there? Is it, um, there are a lot of psychiatrists out there or is it, how's it? Because I know in Kenya, we have very few psychiatrists. And, I mean, even here, here, someone so, will be on the line mm-hmm. like for six months. I right. think I've heard you say that right. your patient's scheduled six months out. Right? So how is it in Trinidad? Um, just oh. perspective. So, uh, so to be absolutely fair to the country, I don't know what the state of mental health mm-hmm. is in Trinidad now. I mm-hmm. haven't worked in that capacity in Trinidad. My father, who is a psychiatric nurse, talks about the shortage of psychiatrists there. So from his perspective, there has been a great shortage. He's, um, you know, often lamented that. And there is also a shortage of psychiatric nurses and there's shortage of facilities. So psychiatry in Trinidad looks very, very different. Patients are institutionalized um, much more often than they are here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they're released to their 
families, but without much in the way of community support. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of a revolving door into mm-hmm. the inpatient psychiatric unit behind a locked door and then back out to their families who often can't care for them. Um, and then they end up on the streets and then they end up back in the institution. Awesome. So now, no, not awesome, like awesome, but <clears throat> thank you for that context. I want us to dive into our conversation today. The, the topic, as Ken and rightly said it out, is we, we, we are talking about sexual trauma. And uh, as you alluded, uh, <laughs> you say that uh, I'm not asking exciting questions. So I think we're getting to that <laughs> point of exciting questions now. <laughs> Sexual trauma, you know, sexuality. What comes to mind when you hear that? I mean, what is what? Are, what, are, what? What comes to mind? What comes to mind when you hear that? When you heard that this is a topic, what, what, why are you excited to have this conversation? So I'm. I must say that while I'm excited, there is a great deal of trepidation as well for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. because this topic is also personal to me, mm-hmm. and you know, part of this. Uh, whole conversation is is quite frankly scary because facing uh, these kinds of the the emotions that these conversations bring is very very I mean that's that's something where people who have been through sexual trauma tend to tread very carefully it can bring up a lot mm-hmm. for us so um, I'm excited because we need to talk about it. Um, and I am a little scared because I am the one who has to be here at this point in time. And this is what God has asked me to do. So <laughs> he's going to have to take me through. Yeah, all right. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's good that you say that. Uh, and we want to say that we are, we are a safe space um we want to make you feel comfortable because um it is i know you probably get this a lot but it's it's brave uh for lack of a better word it's brave for someone to share such difficult experiences and i know it's it's we always say it's not in vain there's someone out there who will hear and get the help they need or get some type of closure or whatever it is so we 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 applaud you for that dr karen it is not easy and we want to make it as as safe as it as as ever for you. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome, thank you. As you have listeners, we are now jumping into the so exciting yet scary phase of our conversation. And um, just Dr. Karen, just share with us a little bit about your experience in this journey, because I know you've mentioned, and people don't, and it's it, people don't understand that sometimes. You are a psychiatrist, so people might not even expect that you as a psychiatrist, you know, or, or for whatever reason, our, our taboos, our own perspectives, our own lenses of biases that we come with. Mm-hmm. What has been your journey when it comes to sexuality growing up as a, as a lady, you know? <clears throat> All right, here we go with the loaded question. My experience with sexuality. So, so that's a really interesting question. My, my parents divorced when I was four years old. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with my mom and my sister and did not have much of a conscious presence of having a man in the house. Mm-hmm. So let's start there because that, you know, it, I had my grandfather and we stayed at his house 
quite you know quite often because my um because my mother worked nights mm -hmm. and so i did have his presence to a certain extent but not in the way that a daughter has her father's presence and also grandparents are in a different stage of life you know you 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 see them when they've worked out all the kinks <laughs> and when they're not particularly sexual with each other. So I really had no model of male sexuality or female sexuality. My mother was very, um, she, she was very guarded when it came to us. She had two girls and she did not let men in her house. She was very guarded. Um, so <laughs> my sexual development all of the things that normally go into the development of sexuality for a young, a young girl in a you know, fairly normal situation didn't really happen with me. Um, does, that, does that answer your question? It does, it does, it does. It does. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I remember my mom, my mom, she worked actually at the Caribbean Medical Center Mm -hmm. for many, many years, which was a specialized sensor for, center for people who were survivors of sexual trauma or who were in high-risk sexual situations. Mm -hmm. And so I was often at the center, um, and she, she was actually pretty progressive, honestly, for somebody in Trinidad, because at the time, the people who came to the center were... Uh, you know, high-risk people like uh, prostitutes um, at the time, homosexual people, um, children who had been survivors of incest, you know, rape and domestic violence, all of these different things. Uh, she let me meet people and, you know, the lines are more are less rigid in a country like Trinidad in terms of meeting the patients. So I used to speak Spanish with the Venezuelans who came from down the islands to be treated. You know, I, I talked to people who I thought were women who turned out to be men and I didn't know. She didn't, she didn't, she put up no barriers between me and, and the people that I spoke to any more than she put up, she didn't put up any barriers with the doctors who were treating the people. And so I had a very rich experience there of seeing people as people mm -hmm. um, and not as a disease or as a, an event or, or a situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was my first framework for understanding, you know, the traumatized person, the person who has been sexually violated or who as a result of, you know, sexual acts that they may or may not have been consensual in received a, a, a really terrible outcome like HIV or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, am I answering your question? Yes, you are. Yeah. Yes, you are. Yes, you okay. are. All right. So, yeah. no, I, I don't know if you were done, but um, just to follow up, I mean, what you said, the, the model of sexuality, I mean, what, what looking back now, what would that have been or mm -hmm. what would that have looked like to have a model of sexuality? And if I can add to that so that you can answer once, you know, there's someone who's listening to this podcast and they're a parent, you know, they have children, but, you know, what does that model yeah. look like? Well, you know. Yeah, and that, you know, it's such a hard thing because 
I do not want to create the impression in any way, shape or form that a single parent family cannot raise a child who is successful in terms of their sexual, their sexuality, their sexual development. Because, you know, first of all, God is the author of our sexuality. And the, the book Songs of Solomon does exist in the Bible, which uh, is, is very telling about the way that God feels about sexuality. He enjoys it, feels like it's something that we should enjoy and embrace. Um, and so, you know, to all the single parents out there, you know, the fact that you're a single parent does not mean that your child is not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, however, putting healthy families into the lives of your children who, you know, can be a challenge when you're a single parent. It was a challenge for my mom, you know, and she lived in an era where divorce was definitely frowned upon. And she was very courageous in, you know, initiating divorce for herself. Um, and, but most of her friends were also single parent women because there was such a taboo about uh, single women uh, or divorced women who had already experienced a sexual act that she was very, very cautious in approaching married women. Um, I think things are sort of changing, but I just spoke with someone the other day who is still kind of experiencing this um, and is very cautious around women who are married. Uh, and so that presented a double challenge because not only did I not grow up in a home with any men, I was also surrounded collectively by single women, mm -hmm. you know, and some of them had sons, but her, her cohort of friends didn't include sexual experiences. So I, I didn't, you know, aside from my grandparents who I, like I said, they were not in the necessarily the kissy cuddly phase, mm -hmm. you know, in their sixties and seventies, they were in the, you know, let's just sit down and be quiet for hours phase, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were in the, the golden years, you know, so I didn't see, you know, expressions of, of affection between husbands and wives, you know, I didn't see, you know, the, the, the communication that happens, I, there was none of that in my experience. And so really my sexuality, uh, was my sexuality when when I started when I hit puberty and I started having these sexual feelings mm -hmm. that's that's what sexuality ended up being for me um, I would encourage the church as a community to not be afraid of single women uh, <laughs> it is a challenge for women when they go through divorce we, we are often very lonely um, and we want our community and we're, we're not out to get your man. <laughs> we just, we really need a community for ourselves and our children. And so I would encourage the church to look out for the single parents uh, in general and the single women in particular, 
and to help to nurture them so that their children can see couples who have healthy relationships. And I think that is, is quite important to the development of these children. So you're saying, if I'm getting you correctly, sexuality is a, is a communal, collaborative, you know, approach because, you know, even, even in stable, quote-unquote, families where both parents are there, it doesn't necessarily equate to a good experience of sexuality that is being there, right? Uh, exactly. So it, it could be in an abusive home that is both parents are there, but it's not a good experience. So how do we communally come together? And as for our listeners out there, you know, we, we have a broad perspective, a broad a range of listeners from across all walks of life. You know, in whatever community you are, it is what I'm hearing you say is that we need to hold hands together to create a healthy, good relationship uh, and in sexuality, when we right. the aspect of sexuality. Kenan, what what stands out? What, what do you hear? And I think too, we we what I get is we we have to sit down and redefine what mm. family is. Mm-hmm. You know what what's the definition of a family? Mm. And I think for my I think just sitting down and reevaluating a family doesn't mean that if you have two two parents a two parent family is the perfect family you know so just sitting down and understanding that and to allow the church and and the community itself to to redefine family and all of us to come to one conclusion that what does a family look like? mm-hmm. what does that you know so mm-hmm. all right so so dr karen we we so you this is your childhood that's that's how you grow around mm-hmm. this environment this is what you see you you get to puberty you start becoming a woman you know how do you, how do you how does that journey you know how do you eventually define or grow yourself into it what are the high moments or low moments or experiences that you can remember that you know now that you're working back you know as a psychiatrist i don't know if they tie in or something along those lines hmm. okay <laughs> ezra you're trying to be very very gentle and I <laughs> dr karen i have to put a disclaimer my next question will probably not be gentle <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's good that you mentioned that. <laughs> All right, you're being nice. You're being nice. Right? I'm the ni- yes, you can see I'm the nice one in this yeah. podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, go ahead. So, go ahead. Okay. So, unfortunately for me, my sexuality developed generally with television, with um, books. Um, and so I developed an image of sexuality that really was not real. I didn't understand what real men were like. I, you know, <laughs> not at all. You know, I was all about Cinderella and the, the moment when the kiss happens. Uh, and that was a deficit, I must say. Um, and, and, and on the other side of that was, was the no, right? The, oh, Sorry, I have a dog who has decided he wants to chew on all of my electronics. Sorry. Um, So on the other side was the no. It was the no, Karen, you should not hold anyone's hand. You should not kiss anyone. Um, My mom was terrified for me because of where she worked. Naturally, she was terrified because she worked in a microcosm of the worst of the worst. Uh, in terms of, you know, traumatic outcomes when it came to sexuality. So she tried hard to protect me. And I remember when I was maybe six or seven years old, she pulled out the book 
Um, and I don't know how many of you have had parents who pulled out the book, but it was a book with these really awful cartoon diagrams of men and women in, in sexual poses mm -hmm. uh, that I, as a seven-year-old, could not comprehend. And then when I started giggling, she said to me, Karen, don't laugh. You can't laugh at this. This is, this is serious stuff. <laughs> And I, <laughs> I was like, okay, mommy, I'll try not to laugh. Um, so uh, into the serious stuff conversation was the don't let a man touch. Can I say the word vagina? Yeah, you guys can yeah edit that's it a up. scientific yeah. word. It's a scientific yes. word. Don't let a man touch your vagina. Don't let him touch your, your chest. Um, if anyone does that, come and tell me this is awful and scary. So uh, it's a, it's a, that's a scary situation and you want to stay a virgin until you get married. Mm -hmm. So that was my sex talk. And I learned later that it was actually more of a sex talk than lots of women get. Mm -hmm. uh, at least I had a book with diagrams. <laughs> well, well I, I'd even say even men. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't remember having one. Right? I don't remember having one talk, you know, with my uncles or father or and I love them to death. Did you? No, no. So, okay. All right. Wow. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had the sex talk. Um, and de devoid of any, the talk was the best that my mom could have done at the time. Mm -hmm. Because she grew up in an era where like her family was very progressive mm -hmm. in actually talking about this with them. And so she, I don't think she really knew how to talk to me beyond what she said. Um, so I was really impressed that she was brave enough to talk to me the way she did. However, there were, you know, key elements missing from this that I sort of, that left things very vacant for me. And one of them was the beauty of sex, the pleasure of sex, you know, what it is, the, the deep emotional connection that comes with it, why then it's so important to leave sex for the, the ultimate safety of marriage, where you can completely let yourself be your most vulnerable self with this person because they're committed to you. All of these different things were never a part of the conversation and they weren't a part of the conversation anywhere. It's not just my mom. It was also church. It, you know, it was church. It was school. I went to an English Catholic school. Um, and the talk about sex was don't have sex. Stay a virgin until you get married. And if you have sex and become pregnant, we will read you out of the church. And we have to do that. And you have to be rebaptized. Right. There. So... You know, 
you're seeing one thing on TV, which is false. And that is the, the beautiful kiss from this person who understands you after 30 minutes of dialogue. And, um, and you're seeing the complete opposite from the people who are closest to you. Uh, you know, your, your friends, your, fa your, well, your family and your church community who are trying to protect you from danger and are, you know, telling you all about the dangers of, of this uh, thing called sex. And so neither of it presented a very clear or accurate picture for me of, you know, what the sexual experience is really like. And I suspect that a lot of children to this day go through that. Wow, can this one we're not laughing and no. <laughs> it's a unique it's, topic. And and you 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 raise you raise very important point that, points that uh, that um just listening to you and I'm 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 a parent and I have a daughter mm -hmm. and I, I constantly tell her the same things your your parents used to tell you, but it's hard for me to tell to you know now that you say okay they left out understandably left out that part where the whole part of what sexuality is, what sex is. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, am I ready to have that conversation with my six-year-old daughter, mm -hmm. you know? And if so, how am I opening myself or opening her to, you know, mm -hmm. curiosity and stuff like that. So it's, that's personal. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> but I want to ask you now, I mean, as you ask, can, yeah. I, can I just... Can yeah, I yeah. We, yeah. we can talk about it. You know, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, listeners, I'm telling you, we're getting it's, started. It's, it's, it's getting, getting started. We're going to be here for a while. <laughs> this is episode one. But, but you know, I, I think, you know, you mentioned that. But do you think that those deficits have carried on even to marriages today where you see because those conversations were not there you know, even in marriages, maybe spouses or partners are not able to have those conversations. And, and do you think that affects how those relationships are? Because I think the, the, the other side of that question is how do we get on the other side? And we come back to a, a podcast later on as we build yeah. into this. But as for today, mm -hmm. do you think those missed opportunities at a young phase and stage are impacting relationships today uh, where partners and spouses are not able to commune and communicate and they've carried those uh, teachings from childhood. Absolutely. Oh, it, it absolutely impacts couples. And, you know, and people have all kinds of interesting notions about sex as though, you know, it's something to be hidden from God, um, that, you know, there are certain parts of the body that are taboo, uh, you know, depending on, on who or what you listen to, you know, men, I, I let me not just say men because women too have you know they journey into things like pornography. I mean, me, I, uh, you know, my journey was more romantic um, because it, that's sort of the kind of person I am. I tend to look at you know the love, but that perspective was warped. You know, the the sense of what love was. Is it, I mean, it's not Cinderella getting a carriage from a fairy godmother and, you know, meeting a prince. <laughs> you know, that's not love. You know, men are men. Uh, 
and, <laughs> uh, and, and building a relationship is very different from, you know, being in a fairy tale. Um, but, and men turn to things like, you know, magazines and pornography, and they look at the sexual act in these types of settings, and then they get, you know, they have a real woman, and there are issues. You know, some men, you know, depending on, on how the woman enjoys sex, will say you're a freak because their context is this is freaky, uh, which is which is a horrible thing for a wife to hear, by the way, gentlemen. Um, uh, you know, and and, you know, the whole idea of being able to express yourself freely with your husband, with your wife is warped by, you know, these particular per perceptions, depending on how sex is introduced. So when you ask about being ready, you're not being ready to have the conversation. And I see you doing self-reflection there, Keenan. You're not, you're really not. No one had the conversation with you, right? right? So mm -hmm. you were never taught. Yeah. So this is now an experiential issue for you where you are going to have to learn how to have these conversations. And that that's the way it is. <laughs> this thing is getting harder and harder by minute. <laughs> we, it's real, yeah. you know, yeah. and because I, I don't want, I wouldn't want my children to go into this world blindsided. And, mm -hmm. as, and also I want them to know what it is. Let me ask you so, a question, Kenan. Don't, don't, don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> right, what do you fear most? About the, about the talk? Even or, just or the my, talk. It's, it's having, first of all, it's having the talk with her, mm -hmm. you know, and then even, even not even just have, even my, my, let's just, my kids, I have a boy and a girl, mm -hmm. having the talk with her. And my greatest fear is someone taking advantage of her mm -hmm. because of the naivety or the curiosity. That's my greatest fear. Okay. Yeah. I can have the talk. There's, there's books, I'm sure, that, that you can, but it's just, what is she going to do with that information? <laughs> <laughs> that what scares me. And what would someone do knowing that she doesn't have that information? You know? You know, so, I, 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 I want to twist this conversation to you, but let's get back to Dr. <laughs> Karim. <laughs> I think this is real because these, yeah. these, are, these things need to happen in our homes. They need to happen in our community. They need to happen in our places of worship. You know, it's, it's a pandemic in itself, right? It's a mm -hmm. pandemic right. in itself. So this is why this is real talk. You know, have, as, let, let me ask both of you, though. Have we, have we lost the plot? Is it too late for our kids? Looking at the world right now and you, is it too late for them? I, I don't have a child. But what I'll say is that we can do, it's never too late mm. to start something. There's always opportunity for that. Because I'm, I'm not only even thinking, for me, I can speak even from a perspective of marriage in itself, is, is that these, these are hard conversations going into marriage and not having had these conversations in a setting that was, you know, uh, structured, even just my wife and I to build in those conversations, it's just something that it's, 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 it's hard, right? It's hard. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about even your child, 
I'm just thinking even, let's even go to children who are children. What about our spouses? What about our partner? Are we having these conversations openly? I know that I can do better, you know? So is it too late? I don't think it's too late. But we we have a lot of work. We have a lot of work to do. And and, and it starts with even ourselves, like myself first, because I wasn't, I didn't have this conversation. I don't know how to, and I'm here expecting, and I don't know how to express myself, you know, it needs to start with me and you so that it can be easy not to talk to your daughter, talk to your spouse, because you've worked on yourself first. That's, that's what I think. I don't know. To the expert, Dr. Karen, and the lady in the building. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah <know>. the lady. <laughs> you, have, you have three hats here, Karen. Professional. I have three. Also, also as, a, as a... The lady, yeah. The lady, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Just a second, gentlemen. Ah, there you go. Now you can see me properly. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I'm I'm the expert and I'm what? I'm the lady and what else am I? You're the expert, you're the lady and you're personal, the personal experience as well. <laughs> yes, okay. So what is the question you would like it, me are, to are answer? We, is, we, is it if it's too late? If it's too late for, for us to have these conversations with ourselves, with our kids, with our spouses, even as with the... No, because that's why this is, that's why the healing trauma narrative is a healing trauma narrative, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, because we can always do better than the generation before us. So when my children came along, I started this, the sex talk when they were very little Um And I started it with them naming the parts of their body. So they, you know, named their eyes and their ears and their eyebrows and, you know, their lips and their fingers and their vaginas and their penis. Those were body parts. So it really normalized for them. Okay, this is a part of my body. and it's not a it's not something to be scorned or hidden or or whatever it is private and if people invade me in certain ways um it's definitely going to hurt more than in other ways so that was where i started um i also tried to be very affectionate with my um former husband in front of them so that they could see uh, this to the point where they kind of got sick and became sick of it. And it became like neither here nor there for them. Like, so no, you know, none of my children now is like, oh yeah, we're gonna have a first kiss. They're more like, ew, mommy and daddy, (laughs) you know? Um, And when they asked, I answered the questions. how, where do babies come from? Okay, I pulled out my book. Now, not everybody has the advantage of being a medical doctor. So I had my Netta's uh, anatomy uh, atlas, which had all the pictures in it. So I showed them all the different you know, places and where the womb was and all of this. And this is where the baby grows and the baby attaches here. And you know, so my daughter, unlike me, by the time she was six years old, she gave the pregnancy talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she, she did it at, at a potluck one Sabbath. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so that was yeah. fun. Yeah, she 
went and stood up on the couch and she said, presenting the pregnancy talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are frowns everywhere. No, everybody said exactly what you guys did. They busted out laughing and they were like, oh, please tell us about the pregnancy talk. <laughs> but it but it opened up the conversation um to advance as she grew so you know the the point at which my mom introduced this was not bad it was actually pretty good and even the diagrams are not bad uh, you know uh but the problem is the conversation halted and it needs to go on as children become more and more curious. Well, you know, but how does the baby get inside of you? You know, um, that's a question that scares parents, <laughs> terrifies parents all over the world. Okay. But believe me, if you do not talk about it, they're going to get it from kids in school. They're going to get it from their peers on the playground. Yeah. Children get introduced to sexual conversations very, very early. So it's better for you to say, hey, when <laughs> mommy and daddy go to bed, we have a lot of fun and um, we, we can make babies from doing this. And it's, it's really a lot of fun. And all of that kissing that you see us do is part of how we do this. Um, you know, and you can introduce the idea that the EU of kissing is part of the EU of making babies. It's very effective. I tell you, normalizing the, the experience as a part of marriage, normalizing sexuality as a part of marriage is one of the best ways to get your kids to wait until marriage. Because by the time they get to puberty, they're not really curious. They've been having these conversations. It's it's old now. You know, Doctor Karen, we have to wrap up. But I'm just imagining an African parent. Looking at one, he took his glasses and was sweating. I'm like, big boys. It's because I thought Doctor Karen would bring it in a much easier way. <laughs> right. Hey, so, but that, but, but, it's needed. It's needed. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Dr. Karen. I, I think that we need to respect time here. Yes. And I'm telling you, listeners and viewers, we're just getting started. So, Ezra, <laughs> where are we going from here? We, before we Please. go there, ask your hard questions so that you can be no, thinking I, about I, No, but yes. honestly, I think she, she says yes. Dr. Karen, I think my question, and I don't want you to answer this on this podcast, yeah. I think you, uh, you alluded to personal experience. Mm. And the topic is sexual trauma. So mm-hmm. I it's fitting that we don't ask it in this episode, mm-hmm. but just think of, we want to, the personal experience from sexual trauma and what emotions are came or af- after that. And how was it when you started dating or after, mm-hmm. what, was it hard for you to date? Was there trust so issues? Those, those are the, that's my question. You're asking a question, but you're not asking a question. <laughs> I can see him too struggling answering the question. But, yes, but, but I, think, I think I, that's where we, we need to. We, we, we won't have enough time, yeah. obvious, to dive no. into that. Not, uh, not for that, can Yeah, you? not for that. But we will start the next episode, you know, from that question. Right. And the question yes. really is going to be, 
have you experienced sexual trauma and how did that affect you and what was that trauma that yeah. you experienced? Did I shorten mm-hmm. your answer, Derek? I, you, was I yeah. a little bit courageous on that this time around? Yeah, yeah you actually were. <laughs> 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 but I was always courageous, but we are working on it. So, so, so what, have you experienced uh, sexual trauma? What was it? How did it mm-hmm. affect you? And how did it carry, you know, wh- where, how, how, how was the journey? Where are you as of, as of, you know, now in your profession and everything? Mm-hmm. That listeners and viewers, yeah. you don't want to miss that one. I I am I am looking forward to it but till then I have to meditate on all these things we have <laughs> honestly yes you know we mm-hmm. didn't even have time to go for a break because you don't need one now you know yeah. so uh, I think we'll start we'll wrap up here and um start with maybe uh, Dr Karen closing remarks and then we'll come back as as we wrap on our end for this episode closing remarks Closing remarks. For this session, because we're going to be having this session just for this session. Sex is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing when it's done the way that God wants it to be done. And conveying that, communicating that to our children from as early as possible is as important as communicating the truth of the Sabbath and its beauty prayer and the value of prayer in their lives and the value of other relationships. Um, The beauty of sex is the thing that I feel needs to be the focus. If we can do that, if we can start with what is good and pure and lovely about sex, the conversation about the deviations from that becomes easier because then we're moving from a place of beauty to a place of pain, Mm -hmm. which is where nobody goes voluntarily. Mm -hmm. Nobody goes there voluntarily. So I would encourage all of the parents out there, when you're thinking about having this talk with your children, start with what is beautiful rather than the other way around. Yeah. And that's my closing remark. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Karen. I will also do say that even the married couples or partners, you know, um, you might come from a place of trauma, have gone, never had these lessons, but if we can reframe our minds from the thing of beauty, it's mm-hmm. going to be something that I think would be beautiful to behold. Uh, listeners, Dr. Karen will be helping us reframe these in their upcoming conversations. So you don't want to miss that. I will say this as Kenan will be having the last words for the show. <clears throat> I will say this. Dr. Karen is a licensed psychiatrist in Boston. Uh, he has uh, his company is called Beryllium Psychiatric Services. Uh, check them out. Uh, we are amazing truth ministries. We are honored to work with her and we are going to be doing tremendous and a lot of work together. If you need to talk to someone, reach us out at amazingtruthpodcast.org uh, or at Gmail and we will put you in line with her. We will, we, we, we're, we're working on a full-blown life skills curriculum and program. We have, we have formed and are finalizing a partnership so that we don't just have these conversations but you actually can also get help so big things and great things coming between amazing truth ministries and beryllium psychiatry uh, and so 
We're not going to talk about issues, but help is on the way too yeah. as we partner yeah. through this. Kenan. I have nothing uh, urgent or nothing else, but I want to say if, if you know someone who's experiencing rape or sexual violence, sexual trauma, you can call the, uh, the Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network at 1-800-656-4673 from anywhere in the U.S. You can also call uh, the local uh, law enforcement and yeah, just call that and start. There's help out there for someone who's experiencing that. All right. Thank you so much, listeners. That has been our episode today. Amazing Truth uh, podcast coming live to you in our YouTube channel and all other platforms where you get your podcast from. But until then, it has been real. Like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you can. Blessings and have a wonderful time. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amazing Truth Podcast. We hope you were blessed as you listened. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. God bless you and see you on the next one.